It's about time someone gets real. Bro, are you sure we're even supposed to be listening to this? Welcome to the Church Misfit Podcast with motivational and thought-provoking content designed to push you further personally, professionally, and spiritually. If this don't move you, you might be dead. Here's your host, Catalyst Collective founder, Joe Elliott. All right, we are here live, Church Misfit Podcast at National Youth Workers Convention in Tampa, Florida. We, uh, we're here with some Austin boys. We could have done this back home, like in the comfort of our own homes. Probably. But, you know? Everybody's from the same space. Yeah. yeah. I'm excited to be with you guys. So uh, we're going to do two episodes. First episode, my boss is a slave driver. I've missed out on everything at the conference. He has me handing out flyers. So I just want to hear what you guys have learned or are taking away from National Youth Workers. All right, I'll go first. Um, yeah. So two main takeaways so far. Um, one is our uh, desperate need to pour more into our volunteers. And so um, as church staff, we tend to just think, okay, well, let's, let's run with this ourselves. We can take care of everything. We can do everything. We obviously know that we need volunteers to help run our, our small groups, our ministry at large. Um, we just had a huge Thanksgiving feast for, for our student ministry, and it takes a ton of volunteers to, to pull that off. Um, but then a deeper level, how are we challenging, loving, pressing forward into our volunteers? Mm-hmm. Um, every single year I come here, I get convicted in that of like, what am I doing to make sure I'm loving, resourcing, and equipping my volunteers? Um, and then second big takeaway so far was I just came out of Marco's uh, deep dive about belonging. Um, and he talked about how belonging these days comes b- before um, belief and behavior. And so back in the day, it would go believe, right? You got you to gotta believe. And once you believe, then uh, you behave. And once you believe and behave, then you, then you belong. And he's saying these days that paradigm is getting completely flipped over. And students need this, this sense of belonging. And once they, they belong, they kind of start to behave the way the church people behave. And so they might come and worship and do a lot of things that you would think a believer would do, but they're just trying on that hat. Mm. They're not actually believers because then after kind of belonging and going through the rhythm and flow, then they later come up and say, hey, I want to believe. And you look at them and go, wait, you were just worshiping like crazy. Aren't you already a believer? You know, like, no, I was just feeling it out, you know. And so if we know that, then what are we doing to make sure that we are creating space for the students to belong before they ever behave or believe? So that got my brain, like, real messed up. So, yeah. Yeah, uh, I just I just got to have a session with Reggie Joyner and Kristen Ivey. And one of the things that they talked about in another session that I was in yesterday has been talking about the kind of handoff from going from a senior in high school to a freshman in college and how we are setting them up for failure in a way because as soon as graduation day comes, we're handing them off and we're like done with them. And so what they have been doing is they've been laying out different things that we can do to better hand them off, right? Like uh, Chris and Ivy was just talking about, man, get some of them together and go to other churches with them and show them how to, to hunt for churches, show them what to look for, and also uh, teach them how to make friends yeah. because they've been sitting in the same small group with the same leader for almost you know, anywhere from six to one year. And, and, and these are the people that have been given to them but what can you do to show them how to actually socialize with other people and belong in a context that they're not familiar with? Yeah. So it's been really cool, yeah. Um, I think for me, one of the big things has been, um, I'll go a little bit more, uh, I guess, global or, or generic, um, 
has been the things that, uh, rather than coming in expecting my mind to be blown by something new, um, just the really, really good reminders of stuff that we know. And that's done a couple things. It's made me really appreciate our church leadership and our church culture um, to be systematized and to be thinking of these things and, and constantly to be reading and stuff like that. And so it's not necessarily new ideas, but um, to bring some of these these notes, whether it's about volunteers or, or students that are graduating, things like that, back to the top of our notes list in our phone so that when we get home, we're ready to... Um, you know, as, as we've been fed from a fire hose at these conferences over the years, you can only implement so much at one time. Mm-hmm. And so to bring some things back to the surface, again, top of that notes list and go, okay, this year um, I'm going to come home and in, in the rest of December and January, uh, I'm going to implement this. This thing that I've, I've heard the last five years in a row from Katie Edwards or from, from whoever the authority might be, um, but be excited about implementing something that isn't necessarily new just something that you recognize, man, this is really needed. Um, and I love this, the, um, the comparison that that has to Scripture. That's what we expect our students to do all the time. We're teaching them the same Scriptures over and over, but certain Scriptures and certain lessons that we're teaching them at different times are going to impact them because they're in a different place. And that's what I love about um, the way the conference is structured and just being poured into in this way is that when things are hitting you at different times and different seasons, something that wasn't a huge thing last year when I heard it, well, when it rolled off of that person's tongue, this year, I thought, man, we've got to attack this within our own youth ministry. So for me, that's been the big takeaway from the conference. Yeah, yeah. that's good. Aaron? Hello. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I've been passing out flyers with Zach, and then sometimes not with Zach, because he tries to find all the candy at every booth and eat it all. I have. It's got been great. Out. Yeah, they had like like Mexican candy at one booth, it was like, and then they had like monkey poop coffee. Yeah. That was probably not my I've highlight. Tried that before. It was actually delicious. Yeah. Oh yeah, I know I enjoyed it, but that was probably like I've never tried it in coffee. I've I've just had it. <laughs> just solid, oh just yeah, in a solid form. Yeah, yeah. like hors d'oeuvres. Yeah. Now probably my favorite moment of the entire um the past couple of days has been seeing the like the passion and the zeal for we we're promoting our, our book Throat Punch Normal, right? Holistic discipleship, breaking down for a student, personal, professional, spiritual development from everything from like Myers-Briggs to like your personality of like how it fits into different groups and how your passions and your talents like fit into wherever you are and how do you use those things. And so I I talk about this all the time at home. I'm a youth pastor back right down the road from you guys. And I've recognized that like it's it's not common for everyone to have these kind of conversations and these kind of like. Like, y'all have a great team. Like, y'all are a different multi-site, multi-church um, like group, and you guys kill it. Like, how many kids did you say you guys had at your Thanksgiving thing? Somewhere around 550. Yeah. Between yeah. Two, 540, between 550. Between yeah. two campuses. Yeah. So, like, stuff like that, we sometimes just forget that not every single church, not every single group all across America or the world is is as successful or as, as healthy or as, like, a strong of a team. And I think the biggest takeaway I've had the past couple of days was um, there's a guy from Denmark. His name was Bjorn. And I was like... Oh, people are actually named Bjorn. I didn't know there's there. Yeah, yeah. Like there's like a there's a J in your name. Uh, That's cool. And just he was just so hungry for like I want answers and I want help and like who do I disciple? How do I disciple? And I was like, whoa! Like you have a passion for this. You have a heart for this. And (laughs) it's okay, man. And I think the biggest thing was recognizing that we all have individual value and worth based on just who we created to be, but we also have individual value and worth based on what we know. Because we're all on the same team, so we should all share information. And it was cool just to see person after person after person come up to our, our booth and us just pass on a little nugget of information. And they go, whoa. And they, like, walk away with their eyes are wide. And I'm like, 
oh, like I've had that conversation a hundred times this week. And that's the first time you've had that kind of conversation with that intimacy in a year. And so it was just really cool to come alongside and be reminded that like, I'm never above like teaching. I'm never too far gone from like redemption. There's just, there's always like this beautiful dance with like God. And so, yeah. That's cool. I mean, it's cool to get in community with a bunch of other believers, a bunch of the people who are like dedicated to loving and serving this next generation and just see what God is doing, not just like in Austin, Texas, but in Denmark and Tampa, like all over the world and all sorts of different churches. Talked to a guy and he was like, hey, you need to come out. I was like, yeah, bro, where are you from? He's like, rural Georgia. I was like, I'll check my schedule. (laughs) Like, we'll talk later. There's another guy though in Miami. I'm like, we'll be there. Yeah, I've got you. The team from the Bahamas. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They were like talking, and I was like, uh huh. Yeah, yeah. Anyways, when can we come out and like help? You know, I'd love to come speak at your event. Yeah, yeah. yeah absolutely. You know? sir- how can I love and serve you? Exactly. I'm about it. And so there's, it's cool to do this in community and just learn from one another, spur one another on. Um, over the last year, as a community, like as a team, what do you feel like God's shown you guys? within your church context, within youth ministry? Uh, maybe it's something he's challenged you with or reaffirmed. Where do you feel like he's leading over this last year? So uh, a, a big part of what we're doing is our, this team as it sits now has been together for just a little over a year. Uh, me and Mike have been together a little bit longer and then Christian came in a little over a year ago. And so um, literally thinking how, how do we make sure that we are implementing our model, our culture, our desire, which is very much based on reaching pe- people for Christ and helping believers grow to be like him, like reach and grow are our huge rocks that we run after. How do we make sure that what we're doing, it, we can replicate across campuses? And even though demographics might be different, mm-hmm. um, how do we make sure that we're still reaching and growing in those specific areas? And so making sure that we as a team are on the same page. Um, uh, I sat down with Christian uh, for coffee last week and just saying, man, I feel like we're finally getting to a spot where we've got uh, the foundation laid. And once you get that foundation laid, now we can talk about the structure that we're going to build around that. Yeah. But it took a long time just to get that foundation laid of how does our ministry operate within our local church. And every every church is different. Every church is building their own foundation. Um, ours is based around reach and grow and someone else's might be the purposes or whatever it might be, whatever model they use. Um, how do you make sure that you're laying that foundation so that every multi-site ministry that you have kind of builds upon that, right? And so for us, lately it's been a long conversation of how do we go from uh, completely autonomous, you know, groups to making sure that we have the same DNA in and throughout um, across multiple campuses. And so um, that's something that's been really stirring us and honest, long conversations going, okay, how does a ministry to very suburban kids fit in with a ministry to very rural country kids? Like, it's just different contexts. Yeah. Yeah. So... And I think as we continue to grow, as we continue to um, reach more people, we're, we're realizing the need that we have to hand off more ministry and to, to give more to our volunteers because, um, you know, we can sit in our office and we can plan these really big events. We can plan camps. We can plan D-NOWs. We can plan weekly services, but if we are not loving and taking care of our volunteers, we're going to lose them, which is going to make us, at the end of the day, ineffective. And so, I think I, just to expand on that point, also at the same time, if if we are only planning really extravagant events, and uh, you know, if if we report to our friends or, or to podcasts like, "Hey, man, we had this number at this great event, but we're not discipling well." Um, then, we're, then, yeah. man, I don't think that's a whole lot to speak of, to be honest with you, because, I mean, 
we can plan really fun events just about anybody could and draw kids in. Um, but that even speaks more to the need to be equipping volunteers to not only help us execute events, but how are we equipping our volunteers to be in relationship um, with, with Christ and with students? Um, because if we're not equipping them to disciple students, man, I, I just don't think we're going to do very effective ministry on a very large platform. Um, and so the handing off ministry has been a big push staff-wide at our church this yeah. year. And we've seen the fruit of it. Um, I mean, just immediately, as soon as you start handing something off, um, God start. I feel like just, you know, stewardship, God starts sending us um, faithful volunteers when we're faithful to hand them ministry. Yeah. And that's what we've experienced for sure. Yeah, it's good. All right. Hey, let's move into like a rapid fire Q&A round. I had some of my students texting questions for you guys. Cool. Right. Okay. And so uh, I'm excited to hear your answers. Yeah. All right, we'll start off easy, okay? Yeah. Go to We haven't Chick-fil-A. heard these yet, all right? So <laughs> yep. don't think that we've rehearsed. My kids are dropping theological bombs. Get ready. <laughs> uh, okay, go to Chick-fil-A order. Number two, large fry, five Chick-fil-A sauces with a diet Dr. Pepper. It's real. Very similar. Number one, no pickles, Dr. Pepper. Number two, just like it comes with a Dr. Pepper, um, two Chick-fil-A sauces, two ranches, and then I mix in Texas Pete's with my Chick-fil-A sauce to give the Chick-fil-A sauce a little bit of Whoa. kick. Texas Pete's is their hot sauce. Like their hot sauce. And you mix it into the Chick-fil-A sauce. That's for my fries, the ranches for my sandwich. <laughs> and then if I'm extra hungry, I get a six-piece nugget, and I dip that in the ranch as well. Man, that's an art. Okay, I've got it figured out, guys. Anybody know the yeah. calorie counts yeah. of those meals? Yeah, I don't know. At least 12, Zach. Yeah. Uh, my, probably my go-to is it's changed because... I've tried to make lifestyle changes, I guess. Um, it's kind of important. Um, like grilled chicken sandwich um, with pepper jack and bacon, and then a side of fruit or kale, and then um, a lemonade. But like a diet lemonade. You're my number one. He's trying to shape up for you ladies. <laughs> oh, oh, boy. Oh, boy. <laughs> okay, <laughs> that begs the question. My kids over the summer started this thing where they're like, Zach, we got to talk. I have TMS. And I was like, bro, we can pray through that. Like, we need to lay hands. What's going on? What is the TMS? Too much sauce. Okay. Okay. <laughs> I was like, Kid. I love it. I love it. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, yeah. It started spreading throughout our youth group. TMS. And now, almost nice. everybody has TMS. There's still a couple. It's, it's just not working out. What is, uh, which, okay, favorite condiment? What is your go-to sauce? Oh, that's good. It's good. I love that though because you got to know the difference between sauce and juice, right? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. The juice. Everyone can have the juice. The juice is temporary. The juice lasts in your fridge for like a week. <laughs> but the sauce. The sauce. The sauce is forever. Yeah. I'm lost. <laughs> <laughs> David's in lost sauce. in the sauce. Okay. Uh, I'd say so. Recently, uh, Sweet Baby Ray's barbecue. It's really good, but it has a sweet and spicy yeah. mix, and I love to just put that in like whatever I'm meal prepping for the week. It's good. Yeah. I'd say that'll preach. Yeah, okay. or Chick Fil A sauce. Man, I'm I'm I've gotten really into Frank's hot sauce, like their buffalo hot sauce, and it's the one with the old lady that that you know they bleep out her cuss word on there because she puts it on everything. What is it? It's it's uh <laughs> it's you can guess everybody's heard the commercial, but um, I found myself doing just that. I I've, I've been putting it on everything. Cereal. Yeah, nice. Lucky Charms milk okay. and Frank's no. <laughs> a little bit of ranch. Okay, so apparently not, not everything, not everything. But yeah. yeah, I've been really enjoying that here lately. Okay, okay. Now that we're warmed up, uh, yeah, I started making my own Chick Fil A sauce, so that might be weird. He's one of those people. Soybean 
you just gotta you can Google anything now, and if you Google it, you can find it. And they're See, like, "This is what you combine to make Chick Fil A sauce." And I didn't. I'm like, I enjoy this just as much as Chick Fil A sauce, but I can make it in like a vat, right? Not just like a little container, like a vat of it. So, See, that yeah, would get me the in one, trouble. The one that always catches my eye is soybean oil. Do you have soybean it's, oil? No, you use the other things that you combine, okay? Which probably have soybean oil in them. Okay, that's fair. There you go. Fair. Did you, nice. Did you make the sauce, or did Ashley, your wife, figure no, this I out? I made it. I just googled okay. it. Okay. I used way too much mayo though the first time. Don't do that. <laughs> My wife okay. just pockets it. Like I open her purse and it's full of Chick Fil A yep. sauce. That's how it works. Turns out, well, it's a quick notice <laughs> about sauce. Note the ring around Chick Fil A's sauce. The the packets, whatever yeah. you get, doesn't last very long. You keep them in your car, they will come apart and just get sauce all over your car. Okay. That's making you, you lost in the sauce. Yeah, yeah. Literally yeah. lost in the sauce. <laughs> Okay, favorite thing about working with students? <laughs> yeah, why do you do what you do? Go first. Um, go for it. Okay. Um, my favorite thing, absolutely, working with students in like our juvenile detention centers we partner up with, our after school programs, and in my own youth group, is just remembering how um, I think it's like really innocence. And like the longer and longer they live their life, the more and more the world tries to jade, jade their, their existence. And I think it's really cool to go in and they're like, they're doe eyed and they're hopeful and they're like, there's nothing they can't do. And I think we forget that as the older we get. And that's why I think God says have childlike faith because you're like, you're just not affected by the world when you're like a wee child and you have like a plastic stick and you're like, I'm slaying dragons, you know? So I'm trying real hard to focus right now. <laughs> there's a man in the corner who just started <laughs> open mouth snoring. snoring. Absolutely. <laughs> That's my favorite thing, is they don't okay. snore. <laughs> I just got it. I'm looking right at him. It's just. Uh, for me, it's simple. I, I, I'm in this to see every single student, regardless of where they're at, take that next step, right? And so um, if they're trying out the church, trying to figure out, like we're talking about belonging, like is this a place they can belong? And watching them kind of catch vision for what it means to be part of our community, that's huge. Watching them take a step from just being part of uh, the, the crowd to stepping in and saying, hey, I want to make this a regular part of my uh, my week. I want to be part of a small group. Mm. Going from there to like actually speaking yeah. up and talking in their group, going from talking in their group to like showing up early to help set up, doing that to stepping on the worship team, then joining what we call mentorship, which is students discipling other students. And so just watching students take those various steps along the way, right? Yeah. Um, anytime you get to watch them take another one, you got to stop and remember to rejoice and enjoy that because oftentimes we have preconceived notions of what success looks like in church. It's like, oh, it's salvation or, or it's, you know, we, we yeah. put these parameters on, on what success looks like and remembering that every single student on a different journey. Um, for some of them, it might be the sixth grade year. For some of them, it might be uh, their senior year. We have a student right now um, who she's only been around a little bit, but the depth to which she's jumped in over this past year as a senior, I'm like, that's it. Yeah. And if we only get like eight months with her and we get to watch her take multiple steps um, toward maturity in Christ, then that's a huge win. And we got to remember to step back and um, rejoice and celebrate those moments. So, yeah, yeah. that's good. Um, being smarter than they are. No, I'm just kidding. Um, I wish that was the case. It actually isn't. Um, the bar is a little lower, I feel like. Um, no, a little bit more seriously, um, one of my favorite things is those light bulb moments, which is really kind of what David talked about a little bit, but it's really fun um, to 
to see the light bulb come on for some of them with almost with no matter what it's about, whether it's, um, you know, the, the first time they encounter Jesus, um, the first time they place their faith in them, obviously that's, that's a huge win. Um, but also even just in the smaller things, like the first time, you know, a student serves and they realize how great that was. And they realize, man, this, I, I'm able to take ownership of this ministry. I, this church becomes your, becomes home when you serve in it. And so some of those first time experiences, it's really fun. I really enjoy in, in on any platform. I enjoy, um, having in joining someone in their first experience of anything that I love, right? If I really love something, getting to walk with someone through their first experience of it is fantastic. Um, and so in student ministry lends itself to that really well. You get to have a lot of first experiences with people. And so that's one of my favorite things. Yeah. I think too, is just like so many of the students that walk in through to our church or to any church, right? They, they, when they first go in, they have a kind of not right mindset about what church is and why they go and to see somebody kind of like you guys were saying make that switch in their in their mind where they're like oh i get to be a part of god's kingdom right like i get to play a part in this i get to have a relationship with jesus like it's so cool and then to also like mike was saying walk them through that um we we have the all three of us here have the fortunate um opportunity to be chaplains for our local football teams, um, which, which is crazy, right, in itself. But just to see where those guys are at the beginning of the season and to see where they end up, whether that's uh, in faith maturity or just normal maturity, whatever it may be, just to walk with somebody through something for such an amount of time is, is special. Yeah, it's really good. cool. Yeah. Cool. Okay, so who's more challenging, students or parents? I'm going to say students, um, just because we get to hear, one, uh, I've noticed, at least in our context, parents have a lot better filter than students. Students will just say whatever's on their mind and don't care about the ramifications or, or anything like that. And so, yeah. uh, also, you, you get to see their mess. A lot of parents, you can't see their mess, but for students, they wear it on their sleeve. You see the mess, and it bothers you, and you're like, oh, let me, let me help you. And then you step into that mess, and you're like, this is even messier than I thought it was going to be. And then try to help them see what they don't see and um, show them Jesus all along the way that's messy. Um, knowing everything we know, it's probably a reflection of what's going on at home. And so their mess is typically just a reflection of their parents' mess. And so their challenge is reflective of the parents' challenge. Um, but I, we just get to wade in those waters more with students than we do parents. So I agree. I think, I think the, the correct answer is, is probably students. I feel like when we're in a difficult situation that involves a parent, it can feel like that's more difficult. But on a day-to-day basis, that's not the difficult situations that we're in. We're walking through difficult things with students. And so for that reason, I think it's definitely students. Um, the other thing is um, with parents, which it's not always easy to do this, but, and it's not a, a 100% accuracy by any means, but most of the time, if you love someone's kid really, really well, you're going to earn that person's favor. I know that's true for me, and I only have a five- and a four-year-old. Um, but if you really love my kid really, really well, you're probably going to have my favor too. Not that I'm not going to be involved or be concerned or, or pay attention to what you're doing with my kids um, or even challenge you at times. But, man, if you have my kid's interest at heart, uh, then you're probably going to have my favor. And, and I'd say about 95% that's true. So. I think if we take the challenges, the, the, the kids are more, par- or excuse me, the students are more challenging, the parents recognize that we love their kids really well, so they become less of a challenge. So good. Mm-hmm. I'm good. I'm good. Yeah. Sweet. All right. Hardest thing facing you guys in youth ministry right now, like biggest challenge of the last year or most, I don't know, most pressing right now? Mm-hmm. 
for for a long time, I would have said it was it was students taking ownership, and I think Mike's waiting to that right now. Um, it was us a year and a half sure. ago. Anytime you graduate a a large class that was very committed, and you go through that kind of reset period, you're always like, oh my goodness, I just lost all the mature runners who were like ready to go, who would do anything you ask them to do it, you know, drop of a hat, and then you go through that phase. You're like, who's going to take up that mantle, right? Mm-hmm. And we got through that, and our students this, this year have just taken up that mantle and started running. And we're like, okay, it's, it's no longer ownership. And so when it's no longer students taking ownership, I pull back. And that's why my heart right now is breaking for equipping volunteers because now that I've got that level down on a, on a weekly, twice-a-week basis where I need student leadership to step up, now I'm stepping back and going, okay, how am I resourcing and, and loving the volunteers? And so um, that's going to be uh, a drum I continue to beat as well as parent ministry. Um, we talked about how parents can be challenging, but – we need parent influence. We need parent input. We need to be training and equipping these parents who oftentimes are taking their kids and dumping them off on us because they feel ill-equipped to train and raise up their children in the way of the Lord. So they outsource that to us, right? Like, oh, you're the, the spiritual professional, so let me outsource this training to you. And if we're not actively charging into that area, um, they're not coming to us. Yeah. I, I've had very few parents come to me and say, I feel ill-equipped to uh, spiritually raise my child. Can you give me information on that? Like, they don't. They just want to drop them off and let us do that. But we need to be flipping the script and saying, no, no, how, how are we running after you? And so the biggest challenge is stepping about how do we not only start and begin to do faithful parent ministry, but how do we get them to care? Yeah. And yeah. it's not that they don't care. They just don't know how to care. And so how do we frame that in a way to, like, pique their interest, get them to want training, right? And so yeah. I'd say that's probably a big problem, but no. Man, I think some of the big challenges that I've had this year are things that, man, for whatever reason, seem to be seasonal. Um, And so, you know, you have a season where it's students' personal struggles. That comes to mind just with some of the stuff last week, right? Some of their personal struggles, um, you know, it seems like it comes in waves. And then there's things that, there's struggles that, for lack of a better term, are popular right now, right? And I'm I'm not talking about root issues of why they're popular, but, you know, suicide, self-harm, depression, anxiety, those things are, um, they're prevalent right now in, in a student culture. And so you're constantly counseling on those, hearing those, and so that kind of thing breaks your heart. Um, the good thing I think about that is we receive a lot of equipping for those conversations, but it's still, it'll, it'll burden your heart, those types of things. Um, yeah, I think that's good. What do you got, Christian? Yeah, uh, so one of the things that we all have is some sort of student leadership, um, which is really fun. David takes the ones that um, are looking to be the ones that make disciples. Uh, and so the, and the one that I kind of focus on are the ones that want to take ownership, right? The ones that want to like help plan and help lead out. And something that I've noticed is that a lot of those students really love our programming and are in yep. love with, you know, our Wednesday night services and stuff like that. And so they're going and they're being advocates of that, advocates of what we're doing. But like what, what we really want them to be is like advocates of the gospel. You know, yep. we want that to be what drives them, not giving away prizes on Wednesday nights, not doing fun events or anything like that. We'll use those all day to sure. get them here. But ultimately, our aim and our goal is to make them fall so in love with Jesus that they can't, uh, they can't hold back from speaking to what he's doing in their hearts. And so it's just how to shift that, that kind of perspective. Yeah. All right. Good. All right. So to wrap up, maybe just like one sentence, like a pro tip, any advice or, I don't know, encouraging word that you'd want to pass on to the audience? Yeah. Uh, build a team as fast as you can, whoever is willing. Um, look for open hands. It can't always be paid staff. Obviously, paid staff is great, but find people to be advocates for your ministry. Um, 
that's one thing that we've slowly been realizing is, is if you can find those two or three people who are going to be advocates for your ministry and be, be hungry to serve alongside of you in a bivocational or volunteer way, it's, it's huge. Um, and you, you need those two or three people who are actively, actively involved. And so find those two people and make sure they know everything about your ministry so that if you stepped out, they step in. Yeah. No one misses a beat. So. Okay, that's good. Uh, learn how to rest. Learn how to rejuvenate. If you haven't figured out the way that you recharge, figure that out ASAP. Because if you haven't, you're probably burnt out as we speak. Sometimes yeah, when true. I need to recharge, I just take a nap. I like just kick back and like open mouth snore. <laughs> yeah. In the middle of a conference. Yeah. Yeah. It's good. Really close to where they're recording a podcast. Mm. Yeah. yeah. We're talking about you, bro. Oh, he woke up. He woke up. I hope he sees this. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, it's hard, it's hard to say anything uh, different than those things. Um, but yeah, I, I'd say that, man, I think be real, um, especially in student ministry. If you can't be transparent, um, you know, and I, I think there's a, there's a fine balance in that of, not you don't want to look like the world by any means yeah. but um you know because obviously we want to reflect jesus but um with students if you can't be authentic and transparent you're probably going to have a really hard time connecting with students and so that's been one of my things the whole time just to be real that's yeah. good all right hey so on our next episode you're gonna have to show us how to make chick-fil-a sauce yeah i'll bring all the, all the ingredients lessons. yeah yeah hey bring the soybeans yeah i got one more thing to say this isn't like inspirational or anything I just realized your shirt makes me think of those little popsicles. You know what I'm talking about? The red, white, and blue popsicles? Yeah. Yeah. Just hit my mind. So (laughs) now I want one. You hungry? Yeah. Let's go find some bomb pops. Let's do it. Would you put sauce on those or no? I would keep the, well, no. No, that's disgusting. Well, cool. Hey, thank you guys for joining us and dropping some wisdom bombs. Uh, We'll see you guys back in Texas. Yeah. Great, man. Thanks for having me. Thank you, guys. Appreciate you so much. For more free content from Joe and his team of church misfits, visit www.catalystcollective.community.